0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet
1: Radio Network. Okay, so I'm going to be real honest here to kick off the program as I try to do on a regular basis here. It is going to be very, very hard leading up until the draft to look at any, any Montreal Canadiens move and wonder, does this bring them closer to or take them farther away from Pierre-Luc Dubois? Uh, case in point today, uh, the Montreal Canadiens signed Sean Monahan to a one-year contract. Uh, $1.985 million is the, uh, is the price tag on this one. Uh, and I don't think any of us are looking at this and saying, okay, well, that's just a standalone move. It has nothing to do with the trade market out there, maybe specifically with the Winnipeg Jets and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Given that we know that Montreal is the preferred destination for the aforementioned Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, as we've talked about before, there are a lot of teams that are in the uh, in the market for one Pierre-Luc Dubois. Elliot has talked plenty, and we'll get to Fridge here in a couple of moments, has talked plenty about the Los Angeles Kings and them stepping up their efforts to try to bring them one Pierre-Luc Dubois as they find themselves now in a very competitive Pacific division where the Stanley Cup now lives. But we all understand where the preferred destination is for Pierre-Luc Dubois. His agent made that quite clear last year around draft time uh, in Montreal. So it's really tough to look at Kent Hughes resigning Sean Monaghan to the one-year contract extension and not think, hmm, who does this open up? Who does this perhaps make available as part of a package to try to bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois? It's one of the things we'll talk to Elliot about here in a couple of moments. Uh, let's bring aboard Matt Marchese, our uh, permanent, what do we call you now? Permanent fill-in host, uh, future, uh, future full-time host. What are we calling you now, Matty? Uh, employed. That's what you're calling me. <laughs> That's where we're going okay, with that one. Okay, very good. <laughs> How about this one? Can I call you this? Um, Matt Marchese, uh, f- Matt Marchese, full-time fill-in host and motivated employee. How about yes, that? Yes, that works. Matt Marchese, that works. motivated employee. Yeah, okay. that's good. Matt for the Marchese, card. motivated employee. <laughs> it looks really good. Uh, what do you make of the Sean Monahan thing, real quick, before we get to what's on the show today?
0: Uh, honestly, my my first thought was um, yes, just that. Like, what what does this move mean? Because it is only a one year deal, or is it a stopgap because they don't think that Pierre Luc Dubois is going to be signing any long term extension anywhere? And that in a year, they're going to make a play for him in free agency. I think you can look at it both ways, to be honest with you.
1: We'll see. Um, I want to get into the Winnipeg-Montreal situation with free here in a couple of moments. Also on the program today, uh, Craig Morgan will stop by. Now... Craig Morgan covers the Arizona Coyotes, and he has for a long time now. And he's the uh, the thumb on the pulse, the uh, the boots on the ground, um, for all information as it relates to the Arizona Coyotes. And there's a couple of things. Uh, we wonder about next location, if they can find one, and when. As the commissioner said during the, uh, the Stanley Cup final interview process, uh, the clock is ticking on the arizona coyotes to find a solution here i don't think he's amused i don't think the board of governors are amused at all of this i know the players association aren't thrilled with the idea of going back to mullet arena even though and we'll talk to craig about this revenues seem to be up based on their previous uh, uh, uh place where they plied their trade glendale which really isn't when you think about it isn't the win um that it's made out to be but nonetheless it's a pretty low hurdle. Uh, to jump over. Uh, I don't think that the uh, the NHL is going to give up on Arizona. That doesn't mean that this team doesn't relocate because they might. You know, this team may end up in Salt Lake City like that. Who knows? But I don't think for one second that that means the NHL is going to abandon Arizona. I think the minute they leave, if they do leave with the Coyotes, they'll be in the market again to find another team and another rink in Arizona. But with Craig. I think there's a few things here. I think we all wonder about Clayton Keller and whether he'll return or not. I think we wonder about Nick Schmaltz. Uh, I think we wonder about a lot of players. I wonder about Karel Vamelka, uh the netminder in this market right now where people are looking for, you know, not just starting netminders but uh backup netminders or you know, uh netminders to split duties, the 50-50 split, the 60-40 split that we all know seems crucial right now. Uh, to, to goaltenders in the NHL, how much more valuable does Vemelka become for the Arizona Coyotes in trade? You want some so we'll get into that. Coyotes news? Yeah, of course. For
0: our friend Elliot Friedman, uh, Arizona
1: places Zach Cassian and Patrick Nemeth on waivers for purposes of a buyout. I don't know where they're going to find players because they don't have a lot of them right now and guys that make money.
0: So that's a really interesting one.
1: Okay, so let's get the freeze right now who's standing by with uh, the latest news from the Arizona Coyotes. From 32 Thoughts in Hockey Dating in Canada, Elliot Friedman. So uh, the latest, as you just tweeted, uh, about the Arizona Coyotes and buyouts. Elliot, what do you know?
0: Well, I heard uh, Marchese just feel all my thunder, so I've got nothing to say in this segment. Bye. <laughs> no, I, yeah, so they, the Cassidy and Nemeth are, um, so that'll be the uh, second and third buyouts, I guess, of the period because... You know, Ekman Larsen had a uh, no-move clause, so they didn't need to put him on waivers. They could just tell him they were going to do it. Uh, in this case, if you right. don't have a no-move clause, you've got to at least put the player on waivers first. So that's what's happened with these two players, and, and we'll see if there's any claims or both of them are bought out uh, uh, as soon as tomorrow.
1: So Patrick Nemeth, just so all of our listeners slash viewers know, is on uh, has one more year left on his contract at two point five million dollars. Zach Cassian has one year left on his contract as well at three point two. For the purposes of this buyout, that is eighty five percent spread out over the double time remaining on the contract. So that's how much no, it is for the Arizona Coyotes. It's sixty seven percent
0: over double time.
1: Is it sixty seven?
0: Yes. Sixty-seven percent over double
1: right. time. Sixty-seven percent then over over two seasons uh, for their main contract. Yes, of those I, I hate to correct um, you on air. I really do. Oh, I know, I know you're. I know you're loath. You're no, actually, I on really,
0: I I really don't like doing that. I really don't like doing. That. I have just kept my mouth shut.
1: Well, you just, no. that's fine. There's no for the purposes of getting it right. Sixty-seven percent is much different than eighty-five percent. So what's Arizona thinking here? Like what does Arizona's play this off season we keep seeing that they're chopping things down chopping things down um, pretty soon they're taking this thing right to the wood what what's yeah. the plan here for Arizona
0: well I think we know that they're gonna run a pretty lean operation until uh, we get some clarity here uh, I don't think that anybody that that really surprises uh, anybody um you know that's that's you know, the, the interesting about it is they were they were pretty competitive last year for what they were and what we were expecting and I, I don't think their players want to go backwards in any way shape or form. So I mean that's one of the reasons that you know Keller that's one of the things that Keller told them what he did is he said that um, and you know it, he he brought it to their attention that you know he wanted some clarity on, you know where they were going off the ice but also like he doesn't want to go backwards and i think a lot of the players feel the same so they're they you know they're walking a line here they're gonna, they they want to run a, a lean operation cuz it's not yeah. a revenue place that they're playing in but their players expect that they they're going to at least be as competitive as they were last year if not more so it's a delicate line to walk for the coyotes and look we've seen all the contracts they re- they've were they acquired from Voracek on down. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know, Jeff, it's, look, like, Bill Armstrong apparently has a line he tells people, and that is, they can't stop us from drafting. You know, a couple other GMs have said that he's used that yeah. line. And, you know, what you've got to do is the hockey ops, you've got to try to do the best of it you can and make the best of it you can. But, you know we know that they're not going to be not going to be spending a dollar more than they have to uh
1: that is very much true um and so the very latest as elliot tweeted zach Cassie and patrick nemeth both placed on waivers for purposes of the two-thirds buyout uh 26 and under is one-third two-thirds for the 26 and over which both these right. players qualify as. Okay, I don't know where I had 85% in my head, but, you know, it's late in the That's your high school Um, average. A couple of things here. That that was me, that was me and no no that was me doing high school math confusing eighty five for sixty seven <laughs> trust me on this one that's why I got into sports um, I I started off the top of the show here by talking about it. it's really hard to look at any Montreal Canadiens move and not wonder you know if this brings them closer to Pierre Luc Dubois or takes them farther away from PLD and Sean Monahan re-ups with the Montreal Canadiens one year on term. Uh, 1.985 is the uh, is the money that uh, that Sean Monahan receives. Um, are, are you in the same mindset, thinking, okay, every move that Kent Hughes makes is informed specifically with forwards uh, by a desire to bring in Pierre Luc Dubois?
0: You know, I had a really good conversation yesterday with uh, Eric Engels about this, and uh, I know that uh, a really good conversation Eric Engels is generally a mutually exclusive uh, term. <laughs> But we, you know, I had a good talk with him yesterday. He wrote a really good piece yesterday, too, on the website. I advise uh, everyone to read it. Um, You know, and the thing is, too, is they still have Jake Evans under contract for a couple of years. So, And you can never have enough centers, right? So, you know, Mm. first of all, Monaghan was a good fit there last year. Clearly, Monaghan was happy there. They were happy with him. Uh, I think a lot of people are rooting for him to get his career back going again, considering all of the trauma his yes. body's been through. Um, you know, I think it's a situation where um, you like you always have insurance, right? Um, you've got Suzuki. Now you've got Monaghan. Uh, Evans is still there. You still have Borac. Um, I think what Montreal's doing here, look, Montreal knows that that's his preferred destination. And, you know, LA, we've got a team here, LA. And it's funny, I had a funny comment uh, from someone the other day, Jeff, about how it's like, it's like, like you're, like, the the guy called me like Dr. Winnipeg. You're doing Winnipeg's bidding up here, you're getting everyone convinced (laughs) that LA is in this. And yeah. you're you're getting, and it's 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 putting Winnipeg yeah. in a better position. And my response to that was, well, first of all, if they were going to leak it to anyone, it wouldn't be me. And secondly, I said that uh, I, I, I said that I really think LA's interest is legit. And he was kind of laughing. He does too. Like, but the thing is, the thing about the LA stuff is, like Montreal sitting here knowing that he's their preferred destination. I think there's a couple things yeah. at play here. Number one is, does Montreal really, do they sit here and wait this out? Do they say, all right, um, you know, the King, if the Kings really are going to step up here, are we going to pick up our offer? Or um, the other thing, too, is, you know, Dubois <laughs> is looking for at the lowest Larkin, which is 875, at the highest Barzell, which is nine one five. So in the eight times nine area, as has been reported, you know, Montreal has indicated it's not really comfortable doing that because of where Suzuki is. And, you know, I don't think that's going to be, I don't think they're going to be able to do that forever. Like ultimately the cap goes up. People have leverage. Um, so people are kind of looking at the Canadians here and the jets have a bit more time. People are looking at the Canadians here and they're just wondering, okay, how are the Canadians going to play this? And that's kind of what Eric wrote about and talked with me about yesterday that, you know, the mm-hmm. people at, like Montreal has to decide here. How much do they really want this player? And is the answer? Yes. We go in and close the deal. Now and we sign them. Or is the answer, this is not what we want to do right now. And maybe somebody else gets it. So I think I, I kind of like Eric's thinking on that and, I, I think we're all kind of like. Yeah. I think we're all kind of waiting to see what Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes decide.
1: You know, it, it's interesting because Montreal is going through this rebuild here, and I think we all have eyes on Pierre-Luc Dubois, and you know, if/slash when he ends up with the Montreal Canadiens. I was having a conversation with someone late afternoon yesterday, and we're talking about the Philadelphia Flyers situation and the rebuild, and right now what Daniel Briere, Keith Jones are all doing is this is, I don't want to say it's the easy part because you can really mess this up with uh, with bad moves, but they're doing the part where they're doing the tear down, right? They're doing the shovel out before they bring out the horses as Berkey used to always say about the barn. Um, so that's the part yep. that they're doing now. Next year is the first year of the declared rebuild, the first full season of the declared rebuild. And that seems to be for established NHL fans That's kind of that grace period. That's where fans say, okay, we get it. We know it's eyes to the future. We know what you guys are doing. Uh, You've been honest with us. Uh, We're with you for now. And generally fans are with you for the first season. It's that second year of the rebuild where fans start to get, uncomfortable and maybe the media starts to get a little uncomfortable and starts asking more questions and there's more of an expectation okay we're with you for the first season the rebuild but we need to start seeing some progress that's next year for montreal so that that's what i wonder about here as much as montreal might say we're the preferred destination we can wait this out we'll we'll uh, you know offer pennies on the dollar for Pierre luke dubois knowing that he wants to come here anyway are you kind of running the risk of losing the player and setting yourself back in your rebuild? Essentially what I'm getting at here is next year might be uncomfortable for Habs fans. And we know how Montreal Canadiens fans are. I mean, it's, it's the original team in the NHL. You know, my old joke, right? Like there's no such thing as the original six. There's original one. Everybody else is an expansion team. Like there Mm -hmm. is that vibe about Montreal. We are the originals and we'll sit through year one of a declared rebuild. But after that, do you think it gets a little, I don't know what the term is, Elliot, snug in Montreal?
0: I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think that it's, it is really interesting to see how long the base will have patience. Uh, and I think the guy who's really going to test this, and he's in a market where it will be interesting to see for different reasons, almost 180 degree different reasons, is Anaheim.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I, I think, I, like, I think Pat Verbeek is okay with the team not being very good for at least another year. And, you know, I think like, like there's one thing about the market pressures of a place like Montreal, and I think you had a great statement there. I completely agree with everything you said. The other thing about Anaheim is maybe the media pressure isn't there, but, you know, you, you worry about, do you, does your fan base say, I'm not in until we start winning? or get closer to it. And so like I think in this day and age like it's I was I was reading a, I was reading something yesterday about like there's this t- crazy insanity online about debating. I don't want to get into it, but I was reading a piece yesterday about debating. And it's like it used to be like you know a debate it could be like 3 hours long. Somebody made an um an hour-long opening statement, the other person made an hour-long opening statement, and then they rebutted for half an hour each, and people understood that and accepted that. Now you can't debate like that anymore. People want it fast. They want the clip. And, and I think the same thing goes for almost everything. There's almost no patience anymore. Like So I, I, think, it's a, I, I think it's a really good point you make. People say, yeah, we'll take a rebuild. But will they? Will they really take five years? Mm. Will even the organization take five years? Like, there's your fan pressure and there's your organization pressure. And uh, I, I, Jeff, I, I, don't, I don't, there's sponsor pressure. Like, I don't disagree with you at all.
1: The, um, just as an aside about the, uh, uh, about the debating uh, issue, what I think is what's happened now and th- this one's really obvious. Um, but you don't even get to the point about completing opening statements anymore. And nobody really argues about ideas. Like that's the thing that I and we see this like we, we see it everywhere. I'm going way I'm going way off on an island here. I'm gonna get back to hockey. Yeah. But the the one thing that I think that I as someone who is an English major and like listen, I spent all my time at university doing this and reading and presenting and debating and, and all of it. And what I see now is, and I think we all do, nobody actually talks about issues anymore. No one debates issues. You don't know so debate sources. On. Yeah. Sources. That's all yeah. we talk about. Oh, where did you get this information? Where did you get that information? Where does this information come from? Yeah. That's, what, that's what debating is now. It's just arguing about sources. The issue itself never gets discussed. Only nope. the sources of where your information and my information came from. Anyhow. Because people have that, already made exactly.
0: their choices, right? They're not changing. You're not changing anybody's mind.
1: And curated feeds uh, only yep. uh, play into that. And people grow up, you know, I, I always think about this with my kids, and I'm sure you do with, with Max as well. You know, growing up um, in, in, a, in a social media life where you're never confronted with a viewpoint that's different from yours because all of your information is curated to uh, to please you or amuse yep. you or just yep. confirm your established biases. Anyhow, um, well, now that we've solved all let the me ask about, problem, uh, let's
0: get back to hockey. <laughs> now that,
1: not that not that's all been sorted out with okay so <laughs> let's, let's uh, swing back to hockey here so uh, the nature of assistant coaching searches so uh, Mike Peck I put out last night he'll be with uh, yep. Peter Laviolette I'll tell you what man I got a, I got a really funny note from uh, from an Islanders fan yesterday after I put that out I got a text from someone who's a huge Islanders fan it just said A2 Pekka. And I'm like, yeah. ooh, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good one. So it's a couple of Islanders there now behind the bench uh, with the New York Rangers, uh, Peter Laviolette with uh, with Michael Pekka. Um The Flames continue to search. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs conti- continue to search. Uh, there are names like Carl Taylor that are out there. Todd Nelson is out there. Mark Savard uh, is yep. still out there. I believe he's spoken to both camps. Uh, what's the latest from your perch of uh, the assistant coaching hunts around the NHL?
0: Well, first of all, is Mark Savard like he really like he was an assistant coach in the NHL, and he really likes being a head coach. Is he is he open to being an assistant,
1: Jeff? Sound it sounds very much like he is. I think in a in a perfect okay, world, I think Mark Savard wants to be a head coach, but it sounds yeah. very much like he's amenable to that now.
0: Well, I, I think he's got a lot to offer, so to me, it makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, so that's that's one. Um, you know, Travis green, he's going to New Jersey. Um, I don't think Toronto offered him a job, but I think they talked and, uh, he was on their radar. I've heard that tree living really likes, uh, green, but he's going to New Jersey. I think Calgary had, well, Calgary interviewed green for the head coaching job. And I think they talked about the possibility. Would he want to go there as an assistant coach? And I believe just technically, I think his title in Jersey is going to be associate coach, uh, not assistant coach. But um, so Green's there, Um, you know, like you've gone over uh, a lot of the the key names. Um, I think that, you know, I think that this week and next is going to be a big thing for that. I think Toronto is really going to dive into this. Uh, now, uh, like you know, losing the possibility of green, even though, like I said, I'm I'm not sure it was going to work out. I think teams realize they better get going because now that the head coaches jobs have been full, the assistant ones are going to fill up. So I think some of these teams are really going to get to
1: it. You know, and we wonder about Todd Nelson too. Uh, Todd's coaching Yeah, the game Hershey seven tomorrow. ADHD, Coachella Valley. Game seven tomorrow. Call in with the uh, with the heroics last night for uh, for uh, for Coachella Valley with a pair of goals. Good series. We're off to a, a, a game seven. It's been a really good series. I don't know if you've seen any of the highlights. It's been excellent. The hockey. and the I watched League a little so bit. I watched.
0: Right it's been do you watch Black Mirror?
1: No, I haven't. That's on my list for this summer, though. You know what I'm like yeah. with with uh, with TV shows. Yeah. I'm usually I watched, like, a few years uh, behind. I've heard it's fantastic.
0: I, I watched episode one of season six. I guess it is last night. And then I watched a little bit of the yeah. AHL a Good game.
1: Good game. Yeah. Now, the yeah it, other, looked, the other, uh, it looked fantastic.
0: The other thing I just wanted to mention, I wanted to draw attention to something that uh, Rick Golliwall reported last night uh, out in uh, Vancouver. Um, it sounds like Ethan Bear might not get qualified by the Canucks. Um, uh, you know, so Rick kind of mentioned that it was uh, an internal debate there. So. That's kind of on, I don't know that there's a final decision been made, but it sounds like this is a possibility. And, uh, you know, first yeah. of all, that's, gonna, uh, that's going to uh, be an insurance issue because uh, I believe everybody who goes to the World Championships has to purchase insurance. And, uh, yeah. for example, that's why Pedersen didn't play this year for Vancouver. So either they have to purchase insurance, or the federation, their federation they play for, has to purchase insurance for them. It's a very tough break for Bear. I was, it's, uh, I was sorry to hear about the injury. But now it'll be interesting to see Mm -hmm. what his future is. Does Vancouver come back at a, at a lower number? Um, You know, someone said to me when they saw that report last night, they said they could see a team that's close to the cap signing him. Now off season, it's a little trickier. You can go 10% over the cap, but you can't hide that yeah. on LTIR. But you could see a team close to cap that likes fair, saying they'll sign him for a year, and then you know you can put him on LTIR at the start of the season, and get a little bit of a break, a little use the extra cap room. Although you know he's going to come back, you have to be prepared for him to come back, but. You know, Rick put that mm-hmm. out there last night, and I don't think that that's an impossibility that he becomes non restricted free agent. That's going to give Vancouver even more room to
1: do some things.
0: But they'll have to yeah. fill... Do you have any idea they'll what... Have, they'll yeah. have to fill two holes on their blue line because I, I, I'm not... Like, for all this talk about Myers, and we talked about him yesterday, I, I can't see them moving him if they've already got two holes on their blue line. It just... Filling three spots like that does thats hard to do.
1: Yeah, you know, with uh, w- with every defenseman who becomes available, you know which team I go to right away. Lately, I just like every every time a, a defenseman seems that okay, this person, this defenseman's going to get to market. Buffalo Sabers.
0: Yeah, Buffalo's a- up every, there. I thought every... you were going to say Anaheim, but Buffalo's definitely up there. Yeah, they're yeah. looking for a D.
1: The the thing about Buffalo is they're closer to the top of their winning cycle than Anaheim is. Like there seems That's to be more true. pressure on. We're right there. We're right close to a playoff spot. Like I, I'm of the firm belief that Buffalo's in on every defenseman. Yeah, I think you're Whether probably right. Whether it's you know uh, impending impending UFAs or Noah Hannafin and Cal, I I would be of the mind that Buffalo's in on. Uh, uh, just about every defenseman that's out there as they try to take some of the some of the pressure off their uh, their young three defensemen, um, Dalian Samuelson and and Owen Power. It's the um, oh by the way, uh, they got some work. I mentioned Michael Pecca, so he leaves the Buffalo Sabres organization. Mike Weber had left the organization as well. So yeah, he's on St. Louis uh, with Rochester. So he's Steve Ott's best friend, and that's so that's a that's a fit there with the St. Louis Blues. Oh, so okay. Buffalo's got some. Buffalo's got some uh, some work to do here now as well, so it's uh, that that'll be an interesting time. I'm going to talk to Lance Lisowski a little bit later on on the program today uh, about what's next for the uh, for the Buffalo Sabers. Um, a couple of more things, quick, as we uh, as we wrap up tomorrow is Hall of Fame Day. Tomorrow we yep. find out who goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame. There seems to be one, and I would even argue two locks for it this year: Henrik Lundqvist, uh, netminder for the New York Rangers. Uh, and Carolyn Ouellette, um, and that seems like that's an oversight that's that's gone on probably far too long uh, here. Um, anyone have your interest slash curiosity? Uh, we'll talk more about the Hall of Fame uh, tomorrow, Fridge, but does anyone sort of pique your interest for the Hall of Fame tomorrow? These names come out at 3 o'clock tomorrow, Eastern.
0: Well, I have Lundquist as a lock. You?
1: Mm-hmm. Who's your other lock? Sorry, just Carolyn Roulette. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I wonder. You know, I,
0: I gotta wonder, uh, got wonder about. I gotta wonder about Uh Jennifer. See,
1: I I wonder. I, I was. It's funny because I was wondering if there if if, if there was going to be um, two from the women's side this year, and th- those were, for me those would be the two, Botterill and and Carolyn Roulette. Was, well, I just have to tell make, you by uh, putting Willette
0: before Botterell, you are an awful teammate. Let me just say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know who the like I, I have like on on the men's side, I have I have two people who I think should be in already, and one is McGillney and the other is Brindamore. I, I I think they should both be in there. Um, those now that Alfredson's in and Zubov is in, those have been kind of the guys that. Um, that uh, I, I've always looked at. Like, to me, McGilney is, he should be in. Um, and also because of the, like, you know, people, I, I think people forget the way his career began. And I think that's absolutely, oh. uh, uh, like or his North American career, I should say. I think that's absolutely a mitigating factor. And I think people should be looking at that. I, I really do. So, I'm a big McGillney guy. I'm a big Brindamore guy. I can't argue with Lundquist. I, I can't argue with Carolyn Willett. I can't argue with Jennifer Botterill. Um, I, you know, I, I would have problems with uh, with none of those choices.
1: Yeah, I think you throw Megan Duggan in there as well. I, I thought you yep. were going to say Steve Larmer because I've heard you stumping for, for Larmer for oh, so I, many I, years.
0: I've just, you know what, I, I've given up on that one. I I think it's a shame that the politics will prevent that from happening. I, I think it's really, really wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I think Larmer should be in there for sure.
1: Uh, real quick, before I wrap up, uh, you retweeted the video. What do you make of the new Philadelphia Flyers unis? I mean, they're not new, but the no. uh, the, the rejigged Philadelphia Flyers unis.
0: Uh, I mean, I like them. I, I like the those Lindros era jerseys. I. Like like to me, um, I like the orange, um, so I I'm perfectly fine with them. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, I I like them. I they're like as you said, I don't look at them and I'm not blown away, but I don't think you have to be blown away all the time, right? I think they're uh, they're a yeah. nod to a, a really good era in Flyers history. I think they look really sharp. I think it's interesting to see who modeled them. Um, I always look at things like that, yes. like which faces do you put in them? And, uh, but, Nick uh, like I, I, and, Nick, uh, and you know what? Like, I got to tell you something. Like, I saw some people ripping that on Twitter. Look, this is Not my me. opinion on this. Me either. This is a guy who does the toughest job, okay? He goes out there to protect his teammates. It's the hardest way of the NHL to earn a living. There's very few of them left anymore. Yep. Um, like, yep. like, I think those are the kinds of people that should be rewarded, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, like, but, like, but again, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not like a, a spectacular look in the sense of, ooh, this is really different, like like some of the reverse retros were. But I think it's sharp. I think yeah. it's clean. And the Flyers fans I saw seemed to really like it. So, again, that's all that matters
1: it it must be some kind of optical illusion or maybe it's just people that live through the broad street bullies era but and i'll end on this one Did it always seemed to you because it always has seemed to me that when you put that jersey on optically you look bigger i don't know what it is and maybe i'm just projecting you had, as you know, you had a, a, a kid growing and... up watching the flyers in the seven yeah, and Daryl Stanley and all, Brown and, and, and all of hospital. and Blockstar Hospital standing next to you. So you're a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, that could, that could be it too with those uh, tight, tight shoulders around Dave Brown. Um, okay, great stuff. Um, we will talk to you tomorrow, probably more on the Hall of Fame tomorrow. Enjoy a very sunny Tuesday afternoon.
0: All right, bye. Take care.
1: There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.